Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Joanna Church. Joanna is the Director of Collections and Exhibits and manages the Jewish Museum Maryland's extensive artifact, archival photographs, and library collections, including loans and new donations. She oversees the museum's collections, heads the exhibition team, and occasionally serves as curator. Before joining the Jewish Museum Maryland staff, she spent 16 years as the director of collections at the Montgomery County Historical Society in Rockville, Maryland. She has a bachelor's degree in anthropology from Grinnell College and a master's degree in museum studies from the George Washington University. Welcome, Joanna. Hello. Um, so great to have you here today, um, and excited to talk to you about the museum's Jews in Space, Members of the Tribe in Orbit, uh, which is um, going to be at the museum, and I know that it's done in partnership with YIVO Institute for Jewish Research, yes? Yes, uh, it was also with the Center for Jewish History. They had the first edition of this exhibit, um, largely pulling from the YIVO collections. Right. I, I actually remember seeing it on the walls there, and it's really fun. Um, I think this was an Eddie Portnoy exhibit. Yes, Eddie and uh, Melanie Myers, who is now with AJHS. Ah. Great. So um, it's an intriguing title, um, and I wonder if you can just share a little bit sort of broadly about the exhibit. Yeah, so it is. Um, it covers sort of three big topics within the Jews in Space umbrella. Um, it covers astronomy and and space science from the medieval era, if not before, all the way to the present day. It covers space exploration. So it was a lot about uh, astronauts, um, American and from other countries uh, of Jewish faith. And then it also covers science fiction and uh, popular culture and Jewish contributions to um, science fiction writing film, television, both serious, humorous. Um, so it really was a lot of fun to to visit. I did get to go up to see the original exhibit, um, which was not meant to travel, but we, somebody, I don't remember who at the, at the JMM said, you know, there's this really fun sounding exhibit, you should go up and see. And if it's, if it's worthwhile, see if you can persuade them to travel it. So we went up, my, my mom and I went up, um, took a look at the exhibit. It was small, but it was it was so it was packed full of information and humor. It had a lightheartedness, but didn't shy away from more serious subjects. Um, and I was like, yes, I would like to have this in my museum, please. And so we were able to work with CJH to turn a small, not meant to travel exhibit into a traveling show. We have a lot more, um, pardon the pun, space in our gallery. So we were able to add to it and augment and bring it a little more up to date because, you know, many things have happened in space exploration in the past few years. So um, it really was a lot of fun. And I'm so glad someone sent me up to New York to take a look at the original. So I, uh, I wonder if you would talk a little bit about the way that this illustrates the work of Jewish artists and writers and comedians and thinkers, um, which... I know are all included in this exhibit and deals with both the religious and the secular as, as it's reflected in the exhibit. Right. Um, so we, we do, most of that comes into the astronomy section uh, and space science and in the science fiction section. Um, I've, I don't, 
unfortunately remember the name of any of the like medieval scientists off the top of my head. I'm very sorry. Um, but we do, Vivo has an amazing sort of medieval manuscript collection. So there's some early astronomical studies in the, that first section, the astronomical section. Um, and we were able to, to take the, the nugget of information about um, like the lunar calendar and, and really build it up. We have an interactive that helps you figure out the connection between the um, sort of secular American calendar and the, the Jewish lunar calendar. Um, and, and we talk about, the exhibit talks about the people who, who came up with that. One thing people have really enjoyed both Jewish and non-Jewish visitors is just thinking about how, yes, today I, there's an app that tells you what, you know, I know that today is the 16th of December, but you can easily find out what the um, Hebrew calendar date is today and when the holidays are. But before the internet, it was a little more complicated. So we have um, some actual like, you know, hundred year calendars that lay out the um, Jewish holidays for you for a full century. And it talks about the people who had to sort of come up with that and make it accessible for um, your people who are, don't have their own observatory and can't figure it out from the stars themselves. Uh, and then in the science fiction section, there's all, we really were able to go to town because we have more room um, than CJH. So they had, the, the title comes from a Mel Brooks movie. Um, so we definitely feature Mel Brooks, both Spaceballs and the original Jews in Space with the little song with the rabbis singing in their Star of David shaped spaceship. Um, but we really, I, I particularly like science fiction as a, as a written um, genre. So we, we were able to really expand that and include a lot of Jewish authors from the 1920s all the way through um, the, oh, I meant to study, the woman who won the Hugo Award this year, which is a science fiction writing award, um, is Jewish. So we've got 2020 all the way back to at least the 1920s, if not earlier. Um, just just the books, but we were able, we have the room to talk about Jewish themes in some of these works and and the history of Jewish involvements in science fiction as a genre. Does that answer your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that that does, and it, it makes me want to ask too. Um, are there you know it, the whole idea of science fiction um, and Yiddish and it's always intriguing to me. Um, and I wonder if there are a couple of, or just one object that really caught your attention or you think really illustrates this, um, the whole idea behind this exhibit. Um, I, I think so. What, there's an early, it's probably the second or third issue of Amazing Stories, which is a science fiction magazine that was um, started being published in the 1920s. And the publisher was a man named Hugo Gernsback, who was Jewish. And he is actually the person who came up with the, the name science fiction. He actually preferred, I'm not even sure how to say it. He preferred scientific fiction, which is, act, which is on the spine of this Amazing Stories magazine. But nobody knew how to say it, as evidenced by me. So science fiction is what stuck. Um, but but he's he helped popularize the genre and the magazine he put out featured um, 
Jewish and non-Jewish, very important early um, authors within the genre. And the magazine also helped coalesce the fan base, which is so important in science fiction. Um, and then to get back to the actual object. So we have the magazine, it's, it's bigger than your, it's like a National Geographic sized magazine. And it has this cover with a little spaceship in the corner with two guys sitting in it. And then there's another little spaceship up in the sky and there's a, a telescope from the bigger spaceship looking at the little tiny spaceship. So it's great to have that actual original looks very beat up magazine in the exhibit. And then our designer took those two spaceships, the illustrations of them and blew them up. So we have a, I guess, essentially life-size version of these spaceships. And what I didn't realize until that was a huge version blown up, cut out, um, on like, you know, six inch Sintra is one of the guys in the big spaceship is shaking his fist. He is very angry at this other little tiny spaceship. He's mad. And I don't know why, because I can't read the story because it's the magazines on exhibit, but um, it's one of the first things you see when you come in. The other problem is it's only the stories were serialized. So I, even if I took it out of the exhibit and read it, I only know one part of the story. So I'm not sure I'll ever know why this fella in the spaceship is so angry and he's shaking his fist. But it's like the first thing you see when you come in and it really is just like, pow, you are in an exhibit about space because there's a spaceship at the other end of the room. <laughs> well, in your capacity as a curator, when you dismantle the exhibit, maybe we'll have you back on and you can read what's in the magazine. Right, yeah. I'll let <laughs> you know if I can figure out. <laughs> that, would, that would be totally great. Um, I know there are also um, mementos from Jewish space travelers and a timeline, and I'm totally intrigued by that. Um, what's the timeline timeline span, and can you share with us a few of what those mementos are? Yes. Um, I know I should have studied. I'm unfortunately not in the museum today, so I couldn't go take a look. The timeline starts in... I believe in BC, I can't tell you the exact year off the top of my head, but it is, it covers many centuries. And then it goes all the way up through um, Jessica Mears' spacewalk last year. That's something we added to the timeline because it happened after the CJH exhibit. And the timeline includes all three topics. We have astronomical discoveries, we have space explorers, and we have science fiction all on this timeline, combining it and showing the full breadth of um, Jewish involvement in space in those three areas. So it's a lot to read, but it's extremely informative and gives context as well. The um, uh, Yuri, the first actual cosmonaut, he was not Jewish, but he's on there just so you know when space exploration started. In terms of the astronaut uh, mementos and things, there are a few, few materials from a variety of both American or not both American, Russian and um, Israeli astronauts are in the exhibit from the original. What we were very glad to be able to add are some pieces from the family of Dr. Judith Resnick, who unfortunately perished in the Challenger explosion. Her brother lives in Maryland and she herself has a Maryland connection. She went to the University of Maryland and worked at NIH for several years. So we have um, the original, it's a mailgram, it's like a telegram, but a little different, telling uh, Judy Resnick that she had been selected for the astronaut program and a couple other materials like that from both early in her career and then commemorating the Challenger, um, the 
astronauts who died in the Challenger explosion. So that's special and it's something that we were able to add to the exhibit, which is really close to um, close to my heart. And did anything that was decidedly Jewish go up in space? Yes. Um, Dr. Hoffman, who was the, the first astronaut to bring a Torah with him to space or to read a Torah in space, um, he, he did bring elements of Judaica up into space with him. And a couple other astronauts have done the same as on the timeline, several, um, several astronauts talk about how do you celebrate Hanukkah in space? You can't light a candle, but you know, you bring your little menorah if you can. Um, we have a, a wonderful video in the exhibit of Dr. Hoffman um, spinning a dreidel on the, the uh, space shuttle. So it, it just keeps spinning and spinning. And what I particularly like about the video is it's, you know, it's astronauts floating around and there's a guy kind of doing something. And then this voice comes on and says, Dr. Hoffman, what are you doing? Please tell all of America. Because it's, <laughs> it's been broadcast. And then he explains, well, I'm trying to figure out how you play dreidel in space. <laughs> That's a, it's a very wonderful story and also very timely as we are speaking. Right. In the midst of Monica, yes. <laughs> it's great. And it would definitely challenge any child or adult um, with the issue of um, being in space um, and no gravity. Um, right. It never lands. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um, this must have been really fun to work on and to ex sort of expand on, as you said you have, yeah? Yes, definitely. Um, it was, I always try to find a connection with the exhibits we're doing, even if it's not a topic I'm familiar with or something I thought I would be particularly interested in. But this one was very easy for me to find, to find my in. I'm not a super fan of any of this um, like science fiction shows that we put in, but I certainly know people who are, we were able to um, borrow books for the sci-fi section from a wide variety of people, many of whom would not have thought they could be connected to the Jewish museum of Maryland's exhibit. But because I needed one, one interactive we added was, it's a joke. People often look at me funny, like you can't measure your height that way, but you can measure your height in Isaac Asimov books, which clearly is not a legitimate form of measurement. It's a joke. But so we have six feet of Asimov books stacked on their side. So you can measure yourself. I believe I'm 89 Asimov's tall. Um, and I, I needed a lot of different books. So I, I got to reach out to the community. My father loaned books, our designer's father loaned books, some of my coworkers loaned books, an old friend of mine loaned books. And, and many of these people would not have thought they had an, an on, entry into an exhibit about Jews in space. But because it's so broadly reaching, we have scientists who are very excited about it. We have sci-fi fans who are very excited about it. We have kids who love space exploration and want to be astronauts who are very excited about it. It's really been a great, even my own enjoyment of the subject aside, it's been wonderful to be able to reach out to the community and bring so many different people in, not necessarily literally, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, but bring them into the topic and share it with them. Which leads me to the question, um, this is... Uh, um, is it a virtual exhibit or is it an on-site exhibit? It is It is on-site, physical, and real. We are currently open to the public under less, um, fewer hours and definitely fewer people. 
in the building, but we you can buy a ticket in advance and come in and see the exhibit. And one nice thing is you don't you don't have to worry about crowds of people because we only let at most 10 people into the gallery at a time. So you can have the time to delve in, read those labels without worrying about somebody trying to hurry you along. We do also have a virtual component for people who can't come into the museum, but it's it does not replace where it, it gives you a different view and some extra information. You can definitely do both the on-site if you are able to and the virtual tour. And for our listeners, they can find out about the museum and about all of this by visiting. It's jewishmuseummd.org. Great. Um, I also want to mention that the Jewish Museum Maryland and the Yiddish Book Center will be presenting what I think is a really fun virtual program related to the exhibit. That'll happen on Thursday, January 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And the program is a free virtual program, The Extraordinary Voyages of Jules Verne with Sebastian Schulman. Um, And it's a really great uh, and other surprising presentation in terms of the the Yiddish connection to Jules Verne's famous book. Um, so if uh, listeners want to learn more and register for that, it's yiddishbookcenter.org slash events. Again, it's done in conjunction with the Jewish Museum Maryland. Um, this is so much fun, Joanna, and I'm so glad that you took time to, um, to share the, out this, and I do hope our listeners will visit the website and if they're lucky enough can be in Maryland and visit in person. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Okay, stay safe and uh, happy holidays. You too. All right, take care. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit yiddishbookcenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, Be healthy and tune in again soon.